Welcome to the Clifton Miles Show. I am your host, Clifton Miles, podcasting from San Antonio, Texas at Dead Room Recording Studio. It's been a little while. I uh, haven't had a uh, podcast go up in a few weeks, and uh, I've had a lot of uh, demand, so I appreciate the, the friends that have reached out and asked. Um, you know, like any entrepreneur, um, you know, you follow your momentum, and uh, I had to double down on some studio stuff recently, so that's uh, taken a good amount of my attention, but we're back at it, and uh, here we are today, Christmas season, and I have my buddy here, Marco Zapata. I don't oh. know why I said that with an accent. An accent is it is it cool? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> it's funny because like my, I have like the heaviest Hispanic name, but I'm pretty white. <laughs> <laughs> for those that uh, can't see Marco, he is correct. <laughs> he is very light funny, complected. Like, m- my name is Marco Antonio Zapata. Marco, I'm Antonio. very light complected, but like my brothers are darker complected than I am, and. They look Hispanic and they're like Dustin, Alec, and Lucas Austin. And like, <laughs> they got the white names. Yeah. And they're like Hispanic. Like you can tell. <laughs> That's funny. So. Well, cool, man. Well, thanks so much for being here. What have you been up to? What's going on in, in, in Marco's world right now? Man, uh, just busy with work and living the dream, man. Holding down the family life. Uh, it's definitely a, a whole different ball game than what I've been used to my whole life. But I mean, I love it, man. Living the dream, been blessed by the best. Yes. So your daughter is how old right now? Two and a half? Two and a half, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, my son's three. So we both kind of like, we're about the same age. We both are in like similar stages in life. Yeah. You know, as kids at the same time. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Did you know, just um, fun fact, that we're technically millennials? Um, it's kind that's of, it's funny kind of that gross. you say that because... I was having this discussion with with my new boss, actually, and he was like, yeah, you're a millennial. I'm like, dude, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And yeah. then we looked it up, and I guess, I don't know if it changed within the past five years or so, but they seem to put us in a the millennial did. category, and I'm like, dude, I'm Gen Y. Gen Y, yeah, Gen Y <laughs> are millennials. That's what they're saying. So I think there's a difference between like the quote-unquote like millennial group that we, we don't want to associate yeah. with yep. and the Gen Y millennial group. Because I think our our Gen Y millennial group doesn't like what we know as the millennials, which are exactly. pretty much like the twenty four and unders right now. Exactly. You know, and I don't dislike them. <laughs> I just like. Well, I have to love one of them. It's my, one of my brothers. So. I mean, me too. Yeah, but um, well, here's the thing about Gen. In my perception of Gen Y, we were the last generation to remember what it was like without cell phones, without mm-hmm. internet, without you know things like that. Um, I still remember dial-up internet when that was like the thing <laughs> but uh you know i rem- and, and even the rotary phones where you had to yeah numbers all the As way kids. around and, i mean yeah, yeah i remember those things and so when you say millennials millennials i i feel are the ones that you don't like they don't even know what it's like to have a, have a cell phone out of their hand right yeah like they grew up um post 9-11 you know what i mean <laughs> exactly yeah that's that's my thought so yeah but it is what it is and so um anyways yeah that's it's crazy i didn't i didn't realize that until recently and i honestly took a little bit of offense to it <laughs> so um you know there's a reason why you're here and um our show obviously is about um entrepreneurship leadership business personal development um i had a friend call those buzzwords a few weeks ago and i was like 
not buzzwords. It's my, it's my life, bro. But yeah, all of those quote unquote buzzwords. That's what this show is about. And um, you've had a lot of success um, at a young age. Um, did you hit the three zero already? Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, yeah, same here. When's your birthday? March 11th. So okay. I'll be 31 in 2017. Yeah. Um, it was funny, though, because I was really holding on to the 20s. <laughs> like Me too, yeah. I was counting down the days of, you know, 29 going into 30. And I was like, even the day of my birthday, people were calling me in the morning and saying, hey, happy birthday. Said, you know what? Uh, my I was technically born at 12, 15 in the afternoon. So I'm still 29. I'm still yeah. into that. <laughs> So but, you're you're like uh, I'm on the 22nd of February, so we're like close. literally two weeks apart. 86, yeah. huh? Yeah, 80s baby. That's right. Yeah, the real the real 90s kids. <laughs> yeah. So um, what I want you to do, if you can, for me, just um, share a little bit about yourself, um, what you do for a living, and um, and kind of like what your job entails. And I know. I have this written down here, so I don't so I don't butcher it. Um, Marco is actually um, he is employed by the AT and T Entertainment Group, and he's the regional sales executive property acquisition person. <laughs> I don't know. So it's a lot, right? yeah, it's a, it's an amazing title um, that he has. But basically, um, you know, he works um, you know for AT and T corporate essentially mm-hmm. um you know you're not going to see him like at like an at&t like cell phone store or something in that like he's actually working for the big dogs and mm-hmm. um so tell us a little bit about what you do and like what your job entails well basically um everything's i don't even know how to put this it, everything's going to fiber now um you've seen google fiber we we have at&t fiber uh so we're needing to deliver the end user faster internet speeds um, up to one gigabyte per second so to give you an idea of how fast that is i mean you could download a two-hour movie in four seconds so, wow um if you think about it everyone's got tablets cell phones smart tvs no one re- really sits down and watches the traditional cable anymore it's you know always on the go yeah and so uh you know with, with at&t merging with direct tv uh, last year in august i believe um, that was a huge deal for them, and it was uh, just recently, a couple days ago, actually, they came out with the DirecTV Now app. Um, it's an over-the-top over app, just like Netflix. So now you can get, you know, you get certain packages you can choose from, a certain amount of channels, um, you know, no credit check, no um, contracts or anything wow. like that, and it's an over-the-top app like Netflix, and you can watch TV literally anywhere you go. So just to clarify, so like... There is now. I always imagined a world, this post Netflix world, where you could buy like TV channels like a la carte. Mm-hmm. Like I only want ESPN. I only want you know <laughs> yeah. WWE or whatever. I only not that I would ever buy WWE. Um, yeah, but uh, maybe ten, maybe fifteen twenty years ago I would have. But anyways, that's another that's another podcast. Um, the you know, like channels a la carte. Like, I just want my local. Gym. Yeah. Is that is that what they're doing? Or? Uh, for the most part, I think. I mean, it's still very new, so they're, I'm sure they're going to make uh, some changes along the way. But yeah, you get like a certain amount of channels uh, per package, and I think the maximum you spend is like seventy bucks. So, um, and that's like with HBO and things like that. But um, ultimately, you know how high it is to pay for cable. You know, yeah. Comcast, Time Warner, Direct TV, even. And so when people are coming away from these standard television uh, packages, your internet speeds are going to 
are essentially going to increase in the price, but the TV packages are going to decrease. So it kind of evens out. Yeah. But people, I mean, you're going to have the 5G network coming out pretty soon. They're doing, they just uh, launched it out in Austin. They're doing test trials out there. So, AT&T? Yeah. So wow. you're going to have the 5G network coming up soon. Um, phones are going to get need faster speeds. Um, people yeah. are going to be using them, I mean, all the time. And to the point where you got, like, home automation, you can unlock your door, you can turn on your thermostat, you can turn on and off lights and appliances in your home. Everything's going to be off of Wi-Fi. cellular data and Wi-Fi. Yeah. So the, the the demand and the need for it, especially in the next two, three, four years, is is going to be so high that we're, we're trying to, we're going to be ahead of the curve, basically. We're trying to reach out to as many um, homeowners and property owners of apartment complexes, condos, um, and currently right now at and is just throwing out so much money. They're like, hey, we'll pay for, you know, uh, I mean, they have to evaluate it, make sure all the financials make sense for mm-hmm. both ends, but... Uh, for the most part, we're taking care of the cost to build the fiber to all the units so that we can provide your residents with those um, Wow. Yeah, speeds. they're trying to be like so. first to market, basically. Yeah. I, I know, mean, uh, not to get too far into it, but like Google Fiber was like a big thing for a little mm-hmm. while. And I, I heard that they've um, like backed off and they're, they have, they're kind of retreating a little bit. Mm-hmm. What's, what's, is this, you think AT&T has any part of that? Yeah, I think, I mean, Google's a great company and they definitely know what they're doing, but I, I didn't read too much into it and exactly what problems they ran into. Um, but I know that they have made some layoffs and they've put a lot of projects on hold for now. Yeah. So, um, especially in the Austin and San Antonio market, I, I did uh, see a, I think it was a news video on with San Antonio. I, I live in Houston now, so I don't get to see a lot of what's going on here, but um there was a lot of complaints w- with uh, residents and uh, homeowners that they were destroying certain pro- Google, not AT&T. Google was oh, destroying certain pro- sidewalks, properties, yeah. and they weren't really giving a care or trying to make trying to replace what they damaged and things like that. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I have seen with AT&T though is they make sure like they put everything back the way it's supposed to, and like nothing even happened. So wow. it's a really cool process. That's awesome. So. So that leads me now that now that we have a good idea of like what what you do or like what your company's doing and kind of the the area that you're working in um what what led you to that position like how did you get there where'd you get your start with AT&T or just yeah with AT&T um I was out in Oregon before moving back to Texas and um I I was I came to the Houston market because I you know I met my now wife and a significant other and um we had settled down in the Katy area right outside of houston and i had initially the company i was currently working for was a home security company they had they told me that they were going to have things set up for me to houston to run my own office well when i got down there it was (laughs) nowhere close to being what they said they were going to help me do so i ended up having to find a new job so i i mean i applied for at least five ten jobs out in houston and it really came down to the Houston Astros and AT&T. And the reason Houston Astros is because I was, um, that's my degree is sports management um, from the University of Incarnate Word. And um, I had worked with the Spurs for a couple of years. And I mean, I loved working there. Great experience. Looks good, great on your resume. Um, but 
at the time, obviously, Astros were not doing, Lastros is what they were calling it. <laughs> so it was ticket sales and, you know, it was rough and I just didn't see the the, the pay that I needed because, you know, student loans is crazy. So uh, AT&T's compensation plan seemed to be the best fit. And so I took it and ran with it. I knew that, I mean, I was taking a step back in, in my career mainly because I had, I was managing my own office and I had a team of people that I was training and developing and, you know, um, managing the technicians and things like that. So um, I had to start from scratch with AT&T, and I, and I knew that going in. Um, so I started out at, uh, as a retail sales consultant um, in the retail store. Um, did really well with that. Um, within the first six months, I was put into this program called the Lead Rep Program. It was basically the top... 10 representatives in all of Houston get together and they, they the, some of the AT&T leadership, they groom you, develop you into the, into the next role. Um, and I was honestly ready to get promoted within about 10 months into the, into the company. And, you know, obviously you got your politics with big corporations like mm-hmm. that. So it took a lot more time than I'd wanted, but I, a year and a half in, I got promoted to a, an assistant manager and, out of a store um, in Richmond, Texas, right outside of Houston. And that was a good learning experience too. And it wasn't what I was used to um, because I'm used to, you know, my own making my own sales. And every day I was, it was very rare. Like everyone that I worked with, like all my managers and things like that, they were telling me like, dude, I don't know what you do, but you always have a game plan. You always have your goals. Like I would be the only representative that I personally knew that would have my iPad and I'd have every day I'd know what I needed to hit. I need to hit X. I need to hit Y. I need to hit Z. And I would have my stretch goal. Like I I would see what the goal is for the company. My goal would always be higher than that. And so every day I knew what I needed to hit. And so when I went into the management role, I didn't see, it was frustrating for me because I was very passionate about being the best. And when I saw people that didn't really care, you know, they're just there to kind of get their paycheck and head home. I mean, just clock in and do the least they possibly can and just they're done for the day. So I couldn't believe that there was so many people that live like that or, you know, like in one of my area managers had told me because I had just had enough. I was just, man, I'm just tired of coming in and busting my ass and trying to make this team better and the results aren't showing, you know, and people just don't seem to care. And he, he told me, he's like, you know, Marco, uh, you were, you know, one of the top reps in all of Houston. And, you know, did, did you, did any of your managers ever have to tell you what you needed to do? I was like, no, not really. I mean, obviously if there was like a special occasion, like, Hey, I need this, then yeah. But they never had to follow up with me or check on me or anything like that. And he's like, that's very rare. He's like, you are a very, um, rare breed and when you go into this role you're going to see that no one else is like you there's Mm -hmm. it's you might see one or two but you're not going to see a whole you know a a good portion of your team that's the same way right they're not going to sell like you they don't care like you and he's like it's just the nature of the beast you know and so that kind of gave me a perspective i'm like okay cool so i had to learn different styles and methods um and approaches to lead a team that didn't care so I had to I mean I had to learn about my team I had to get to know them in and out and what what motivated them 
even if it wasn't money, even if it wasn't this job, maybe it was something that, uh, you know, they wanted to pursue outside of AT&T. Well, how do we get you to that point, right? And so my mentality as a manager, not only in AT&T, but when I was managing um, the home security aspect or business, um, was if you take care of your team, your team is going to take care of you. So um, I was really big on that, and I, I genuinely cared about each individual on the team and I tr- I tried my best to help them get to where they wanted to go and learn from them and just to gain their trust, you know, and let them know that, you know, yeah, this is a business and yeah, I, I come in and I may be, you know, hard on you, but ultimately I do care about your success. And I, if you want to be here and you want to be successful, I want to do what I can to help you, you know? Yeah. That's that's you, you've said a lot of really a lot of really really great things, and I think for for somebody who didn't have maybe an entrepreneurial or business brain, some of those things may have been um, easily glazed over. So I want to touch on a couple of them just to articulate them. You know, a lot of the the listeners. Um, are into the same things and, and they are at different, different stages of their personal development course. And so, um, one of the things that you touched on before I forget, um, because it's, it, to me, it's really important. And this is something I'm, I'm personally, I'm legitimately cur- uh, curious in, cause it's something I personally have struggled with was you were in a position of leadership with the home security um, company, mm-hmm. um, you relocated thinking you were going to be getting a bigger, you know, uh, position, position, a bigger team, or something, yeah. you're, you know, more, more leadership. And you ended up kind of getting, um, shafted a little bit. Um, and that led you to kind of being in a position where you're trying to find yourself again. You, you had a couple options on the table. You ended up at AT&T and you said you had to, you, you personally said you had to take a step back essentially career wise and, and humble yourself essentially to take a position as a, you know, as a rep at the AT&T store, you know, on the bottom rung of the, of the lowest ladder, essentially, um, not knocking those people or what they do by any means, but I, I know exactly where, where you were coming from. Cause I've been in, in that situation before. Um, I did not succeed in those situations because for me, I think my attitude um, about leadership and my 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 desire to change things instantly when I see things are not right um, reeks through my my performance. And um, instead of focusing on me, I focus on on everything else. So, mm-hmm. how did you, how were you able to? put yourself in a situation where you're just starting out with this company after you've kind of been a big dog with someone else and notice things not being done as efficiently or as properly as they could have been, but just saying, you know what? I don't have, did you say, you know, I don't have control of that. So I'm just going to focus on me and hit my goals and let, let that take care of itself later. Or what, what was going through your mind? Do, do you, can you relate to what I'm talking to? Talking yeah, about? I mean, ultimately I had a plan going in, um, to be honest, it was really weird. Um, when I was contemplating of, cause my, my wife and I, when we were dating, we were, we obviously realized we were getting pretty serious. So we were on the fence of her either moving to Portland or um, in, in Oregon or if I was going to move back down to Texas. And um, 
with my dad's situation, he's uh, disabled. Um, he had to go through another surgery, so I had to. It was getting expensive going back and forth from Oregon to Texas, and so I needed to be closer to family. And um, basically, I had a plan. Um, I, I when even when I was out in Oregon, something told me like it would be kind of cool to work for AT and T. So I, I looked into it, but when I did get hired, um, I knew exactly what. I wanted what I what I, I didn't know where I was gonna go specifically, but I knew I wanted to get somewhere in the company and the corporate aspect. I did uh, take one step at a time, um, but I had a plan to get out. And I and no matter how hard things got, or um, you know, sometimes you felt like it was a waste of your time. I had that end goal in mind, and I just kept my focus on that, no matter what was going on. So, I mean, even as an RSC, I had uh, a sales rep. I, I had people telling me, I mean, I was a good sales rep. And I think people saw that early and that people treated me uh, poorly in that role at, at my first store. Um, and You're talking about customers or your coworkers? Uh, coworkers. They treated you bad because of your, your natural ability. I, I don't, I mean, I don't pay, I didn't pay attention too much to it, um, but I knew that I was an outsider. Like, I didn't click very well with... I mean, I'm a very... I'd like to say I'm a very likable guy. Yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a pretty... A lot of friends and family and a pretty big network. But when it came to that aspect, there was um, a handful of individuals that would... They had their own little cliques. And because I didn't care to be a part of that clique, I came in to work and, and get my job done and, and yeah. achieve my goals. They, I think that maybe, um, you know... Uh, rubbed them the wrong way or, you know, they, they, I mean, whatever you want to call it, they were hating on me, whatever. Yeah. So, but did you, they saw, I guess they saw the drive. Yeah. Did you dust them off? I I dusted, (laughs) I dusted them off. But, um, that honestly fueled me. I mean, I had people tell me, oh, you can't be, uh, you can't move on to the next role in a management position because you don't have the numbers like I have or, you know, whatever it may be, just anything along those lines. So I, it's, it's crazy. Like, People should not try to tell me I can't do something. That's the mm-hmm. worst oh, thing yeah. that they can do because <laughs> I take mental yeah. note of everything Everything that you tell me I can't do. Yeah, put, they put a target on their own back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know exactly You might saying. as well consider it over. Yeah, because yeah. No, I, I, I've, I've had conversations with that. I was like, the last thing anyone wants to do is tell me I can't do something. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's literally, it's like... Okay, not only am I going to do it, but how much better am I going to do it than you? Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, even to the point where I had managers that didn't have my back. You know, it, it came to a point where I was in that, you know, lead rep program and my area manager was helping us get prepared for the next role. And just to give you a specific example, he reached out to us and said, hey, there's a, a management position open at this store. Um Y'all are more than welcome to apply for it if you feel you're ready, but I need your manager's approval. Mm. So I go to my two assistant managers and I'm like, hey, there's a position open. What do y'all think? Both of them are supportive. They're like, man, you're, I think you would do great. Go for it. You know, very encouraging. I talked to my store manager at the, at the time and he was like, well, are you sure you're ready for that? And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I mean, do you feel like you're ready? And I'm like, well, I wouldn't be asking you if I didn't feel like I was ready. He's like, yeah, but you don't know this, and you don't know that, and you don't know this, and there's thing, a lot of things you, you need to work on. I said, well, yeah, I understand that. I was like, but 
I can learn that on the go. I mean, for the mm-hmm. most part, I, I have the skills and the things necessary to move to the next level. Mm-hmm. Long story short, I mean, he ends up talking me out of it. I mean, he was he could use his mouth like no other man. He had a mouthpiece on him, but um, <laughs> it's just like he, he sold funny. me on the idea of like... Waiting. Yeah, maybe I should wait, you know, and shame on me for listening to him, you know. And so the next week, there was a guy in my store that got recommended to get promoted for that position and the area manager came in to interview him at my store i saw that and i almost lost my shit dude (laughs) like i was like not not because it wasn't me but because i know the guy that yeah was getting uh recommended had less skills than me didn't have what it took like he he didn't know the things that he was telling me that i didn't know yeah but then he was recommending him Dude, yeah, you're you're really you know, dinging my bill. Like I, I went through, I've I I go through that actually here and there, which is it's Politics, funny. Man. Yeah, I you know what's interesting is that I don't regret, and I, I had a conversation like this on a previous podcast, but I don't regret anything that I've done. I mean, everything that I everything that I have going on right now, and and the lifestyle that I have, um, I I love, and I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything about it. Um, however. Um, when things were bad, when they were low, when, you know, I was facing foreclosure, when I didn't know how I was going to get my car payment made, when, mm-hmm. you know, when, I've been there. when I had the tags from CPS on my door about my electric bill being three months late, like when I was there and I remembered my days at the car dealership and I remember seeing dudes that um, showed up late who left early you know, making, you know, 175K a year sitting, sitting pretty as desk managers who, who were salesmen with me, who were not as good as me, but because I left to pursue my dream, they, they stuck around continuing to do what they were doing. But somehow as other pieces fell, they, they somehow worked their way up. You know, I think, I think it's, there's there's a couple of points, there's a couple of points to be made here. Yeah. Like number one, there's, there's definitely, the the antithesis of what I just said. There's definitely value for people that stick and stay. Yeah. To to the point that even lesser. <laughs> well, I mean, I stayed with AT and T when there was times I right felt I shouldn't. Like you just said, I wouldn't have stuck through that because my patience my my patience is so so minimal. In fact, there are situations in my life where I have not stuck through it. And it's it's always it's always been a, a, a recurring a recurring theme for me. The only things that I've been able to stick with are my things that I own. You know, like this studio, for example, which is the longest that I've ever done anything, which has been you know almost nine years now. And um, and you know, like my my direct sales business. But um, you know, with all that being said, yeah, sticking and staying is is absolutely incredible. And and I believe that you're a perfect model for that um, and for what that's done for you. Um, would you say that you getting passed on that opportunity for that store management position ended up playing to your benefit in the end? Yeah. Um, you know, at the time I was angry and I mean, I even had a conversation with that area manager after that had happened and I was almost, I was so frustrated to the point I was almost in tears and I was just like, dude, and he was like, you know, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like, look, like I just cannot continue to come in to work for someone that I know does not have my back. And I think he knew how serious I was. And I, and he knew that he knew how good of a sales rep I was and what I brought to the table. So he goes, okay, where do you want to go? 
And I'm like, what? And technically within the company, you have to wait a year before they, you can even tr- decide to transfer anyone else. Oh, so this is all still within your first year? This is 10 months in. Wow, that's or eight, awesome. Nine, 10 months in. So he goes, I said, well, I thought I had to wait a year. I said, I was going to wait a year and then try and go to a place closer to my house. And he was like, no, I, I can approve it. He said, where do you want to go? Wow. Named a couple places. He put me in, a, in another store um, a few miles down the road. And I tell you what, man, like, I blew it out the water. Like, I was the top sales rep every month except for the month I had a baby. <laughs> and um, the separation between me and all the all of the other sales representatives at that store was, I mean, crazy. Was there a huge difference in the way that you were treated there? Yeah. Did they respect you more yeah. or did you feel like... Well, oh. I mean, I, that's the thing is like I always have respect for everyone I, I, run, I run into, even if they don't like me. So it was hard. When I was at the other store, it was hard for me to understand why I was treated so poorly because I respected everyone. I didn't treat anyone bad. I mean, to the point I walk up to you and say, hey, Clifton, hi, good morning. How you doing? No. I mean, nothing. Like, they don't say nothing or acknowledge you. Like, you're not even acknowledged that, to that point. Wow. When I was at the other store, I, I mean, I had the support I needed, and the people there were fun and different, and, you know, everyone was there to have fun, make money, and, you know, go home. But um, ultimately, it's about timing. And it took me a long time to realize that. Um, had I gotten promoted at that time, I might have not been as ready as when I was actually selected for the, the next position. Right. So when I did get promoted and I did get into that role, I, you know, you take a look back and you're like, yeah, you know what? Everything, I mean, I don't know what your, your um, relationship is with God, but I mean, I, I feel like everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And you, you just really start to believe that timing is everything and, it, and it's uh, perfect in his plan, you know? Yeah. And in his timing. It's not in your timing, it's in his timing. Right. <laughs> yeah, I got you, man. So one one of the things that you just mentioned that I, I think is also something that, you know, personally I've struggled with is, is you know, I'm a people pleaser, you know, to, to a fault. It's it's hurt me more than it's probably helped me. When when you were coming into work and saying what's up and hey, hey man, how's it going? You know, shaking hands or whatever. And, and you were basically, you know, getting dissed like to your face like straight up how did you not let that like affect your performance like how how did you brush that off and and continue trying you know or Uh, or did you not continue trying if you realized that people are throwing shade i I mean i kind of kept to myself there was one or two people that really were nice to me in that store and that kind of helped out a little bit and i would just kind of go to them if i needed something or just some just to t- something to reset, you know. But honestly, working with customers um, was fun for me. Mm-hmm. And I was with customers all day. I wasn't with my employees. You know, like we were in the same store, yeah, but I wasn't next to them, talking to them, right. interacting with them Minimum. all day. Yeah. So I knew if I focused on my numbers and I focused on taking as many customers as possible, and I'm, I'm, I'm there to work, man. I go in, I work my ass off, and I go home. You know, I don't yeah. really get involved in all the side talk and things yeah. like that. That's how you get... I mean, that doesn't help you at all, you know? Right. So. I think that's important to note. Um, you know, I I don't have the corporate experience that a lot of a lot of guys that I've had on the show recently have, including yourself, because that's not, that's never been an area that's, that I've 
it's, it's something I've struggled with. I, I have so much respect for people that can succeed in the corporate world because it's such a challenge for me that I like, I appreciate it that much more because it's so tough. You have, you have so much against you politically. Um, you know, you have, you're basically, you know, in competition with X amount of people who are around you. Yeah. And you have a lot of outside forces that are a hand in your future to, for better or worse. And so it's, it's so impressive to me when someone can work their way up the corporate ladder um, because yeah. then again, the time, the time uh, plays a factor in that as well, because you do have to stick through that, yeah, that stuff to, to get to that level. So um, yeah. we, we could, we could probably camp out just on this subject alone for another two hours. But um, <laughs> I do, I do have some other stuff that I yeah. want to touch on. Um, nobody, nobody succeeds um, in the corporate world, especially in a position like you, um, where you're, you know, leading teams and things like that, um, without understanding the fundamentals of leadership and understanding the fundamentals of personal development. Um, I'm going to ask you about like some of your favorite books and things that you've read in the past, or things, materials and stuff that you like. But before I do that, I want to know, um, in your opinion, how much of a role has leadership and a personal development plan? Um, played in you getting to where you're at right now? I've always, well, not always, I would say since 2008, after I got out of college, um, I've always had some type of personal growth book or audio book or whatever it may be with me at, in some way, shape, or form. I mean, I, I did network. I think network marketing really helped me out a lot because that's always about personal growth. But I feel like if you're not growing, you're not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you constantly have to feed yourself with knowledge and wisdom and motivation because, I mean, you, you really can't do it on your own. You know, I mean, you got to, yeah. I mean, life gets rough. Life gets rough. And, I've always had some, like I said, some some type of uh, audio book or someone I looked up to, like a mentor, um, kind of helping me, guiding me along the way. One of the things that I feel like has helped me be successful is I, if I ever saw someone that was six, that I felt was successful in the field that I was in, um, I want and I wanted to be where they where they are. Um, I would reach out to them. I would mm-hmm. always grab them. Hey, That's so important. Uh, my first day at AT and T, they sent me in uh, training um, in Dallas, and there was a guy that walked in. He was like a director of whatever, <laughs> and I was like, "Man, the guy looks sharp. He looks like he knows what he's doing. He looks like he has a plan." First day, dude, I went up to him, introduced myself. Hey, I'm Marco Zapata. You know, I'm new to AT and T. Obviously, I'm in the retail training. Um, you know, I was wondering if you had some time, maybe for lunch or. You know, uh, so I can, you know, pick your brain and ask you some questions and, you know, see what, you know, key things that you have that might be helpful for my success in my role because I want to, you know, advance my career in, in it with AT&T. And, you know, as corny as that may sound, people love that, dude. Like people, they and they'll remember you for that. Mm-hmm. And you start to build those relationships. Now that, that person that I reached out to is a mentor of mine in AT&T. And as he continues to grow his career, I continue to reach out to him, and, and wow. he helps me along the That's way. That's amazing. So did he did he meet with you? 
he met with me yeah it was it was kind of crazy like i was like man this is like i was excited it's like wow he's actually gonna take time to have lunch with me and yeah so he gave me the best i took you know three four five pointers from him and i always kept that with me so when i did go into that role as a sales rep I always kept that in the back of my mind of the things that he told me to stay away from or to do in order to be successful. Would you mind sharing that? Um, I mean, we're not trying to we're not trying to give your your no, ammo to your, but, your <laughs> you know like well, every time I got promoted, I would always reach out, hey man, I got promoted into this role. What's your advice for me on this aspect? Hey, I got promoted into this role. What's your advice? Mm-hmm. You know, and he luckily, I mean, he's always been there for me. But um, when I started, he said one of the key things that I took away was. There's a, I mean, AT&T is always changing, always. It's a fast-paced environment. It's uh, things are always changing. Even if you don't agree with what's changing, don't be a, that group that's like, oh man, I gotta sell oh, this because man. of it. You know, that's like, huge. And yeah, so, that's so huge. He, he he said to me, and it always stuck with me. When AT&T makes changes, whether you like them or not, um, how do you, how do you say? Uh, Go full force with it and be one of the, like, let's just say DirecTV. They just, they, uh, DirecTV is a huge thing for the company right now. If you're the best at selling DirecTV, you're going to get recognized. But he says, there's always a bigger picture. Even though you don't understand what that bigger picture is at the time, or you may not ever know what the bigger picture is, just know that everything that they do is for a reason. It's not just because they want to. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bigger picture involved. Um, an- an- another thing was, he says, if you ever find yourself in a conversation with, you know, your reps, if there's ever downtime um, and they're talking negative or, you know, they're talking drama or just side business, if it doesn't have to do with your job, uh, get away from that conversation. Like, step away from that conversation. Break your part, break, break away from there. And just stay focused on work and what's important. And so... God, that's awesome. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, so... So that's that's incredibly huge. Um, you know, it's 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 more and more clear. The last uh, the last guest I had um, was Jake Diesfeld, and he was he uh, was funny. Uh, regional. <laughs> Shout out to Jake. Um, yeah, can he, I get a brownie if I? <laughs> <laughs> you can. You have to go to one of his five locations. I hope he's got one uh, in Houston. <laughs> um, and. Um, after talking with him and especially right now after talking with you, um, it's kind of funny. Like, like I said, I like where I'm, where I'm at, but it's really, really clear why I always failed in the corporate world, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't have any shame saying that I failed in corporate because that's not, that's not what's in my soul. Like, that's not who I am. Different strokes for different folks. Exactly. It's not made for everyone. um, Yes. Security and a, and a paycheck have never been something that motivated me whatsoever. And, and my wife's the opposite. She needs that. You know, she, she doesn't feel comfort unless she is going to a job and clocking in. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, we bat, we butt heads a little bit about that stuff, but we, we balance each other out. And, but the main thing that you said that that I feel I always struggled with personally in the in the corporate realm, this God forbid I ever have to go back. This podcast is going to do me under if I ever have to go like apply for a job. They're <laughs> um, like, "Well, I just listened to your podcast and you uh, pretty much trashed on all of your fit. witnesses." Nah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but one of the things that that was is that I didn't handle change well. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and change, it seems like, like it was cyclical. Like every six months, there was a mm-hmm. dramatic change. And it, no matter which company it was, there was like either, either management got, <laughs> got whacked and, and there's a bunch of like six new dudes that are not, that you're now yeah. reporting to and they talk different and act different or, or, um, your product changed and it's, it's not what it was and it's harder to sell. And, um, whatever that might be, I was always in this like, I was usually the ringleader of, man, why'd they do that? Like, leadership, this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Don't you agree with me? And I was getting this guy hyped on, no. like, <laughs> on, on, like, why this change sucks. So I was the guy in that little negative crowd. Like, for for whatever it is, that's that's what I was in. I mean, so, it's hard. I mean, you're not going to agree with everything. You yeah. know, and you, you just got to kind of, if you catch yourself saying some negative things, you really just got to take a step back and that's keep so your mouth awesome. shut and work, you know? Yeah. like. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it's so awesome. Not so, you, but I'm just saying, like, no, no, me. Yeah, I know. I, I hear you. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> so, um, um, you mentioned you always have books. You always have audio books. Can you give me three off the top of your head that have been your favorite that have influenced you man, the most? Uh, man, Jim Rohn, Ooh. Zig Ziglar, um, Tony Robbins. Most recently, Eric Thomas has been crucial for me. My wife and I are actually gonna try and go to a seminar of his uh, that he's doing in Houston. I think it's in January or February. What do you write? Uh, yeah, I don't know if he really wrote anything. He's a motivational speaker. Um, oh, okay. Oh, man, I can't even tell you. Like, you have to just see it for yourself. Have to he, check him out. His, he calls himself E.T., Eric Thomas. I mean, good stuff. If you're ever having a down day, he'll smack you, like, with Does his motivation. Does he do a podcast also? Or? Yeah, uh, I mean, you can find him on YouTube. I have... You know, you can download it on, I'm sure, uh, Google Shout Play or Apple, Apple Music. Or, yeah. Um, I've just always, if you're not growing, you're not going anywhere, man. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, those those names are, I mean, definitely classics. Um, Jim Rohn um, is actually um, the guy that mentored Tony Robbins mm-hmm. you know yeah he did um, Tony Robbins got his start working for Jim Rohn and he would listen to his his cassettes on repeat like nonstop, and he I would, would too, man. scream them in his car like on his way to work and he would just scream them at the top I of his I still lungs. know one of Tony Robbins uh, affirmations that he says which one uh, I mean there's like three of them I know but one of them I used to yell out every day in the mirror you'd yell it you'd I would, scream dude, dude when you work door to door or when you work so on straight commission, no, like you have to, I, I don't know about you, but you have to motivate yourself somewhere. Yeah. You have to be strong. Well, that's how we met. So I would look at myself in the mirror, even on driving, I would yell out affirmations. I'd have like a list of 10 affirmations that I would yell out 10 times in a row just to get myself going. Just hyping me up. Because right like, I, well, let me, let me, ch- let me try and think what it was. <laughs> uh, oh man, I can't remember Tony Robbins. So why aren't you still screaming them? You can't. You know, <laughs> I got comfortable. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I'll still do it from time to time. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't remember. But uh, when I was a sales rep with Home Alarms um, and a manager with Home Alarms and a sales rep with AT and T, I think halfway through my management career with AT and T, when I got promoted to a manager, is when I stopped. Is because I think that my personal um, numbers weren't showing in a management position, so it didn't. I wasn't really motivated, mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more about the team as far as me. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out how to motivate the team. Yeah. So, um, and then when I figured out I wanted this current position, 
I mean, it took me a year to get this position, at least. So how long have you been with the company now? Uh, over three years now. Wow. I I think that what you said is very important in that when we talked about this on episode one, um, when you reach your goals, it's really, really easy to get content. And it's really uh, easy to, yeah. get, to get caught in a... In a not not saying stale, but it's easy to um, to lose that desire, which is going to bring me into my the, our next segment, which is um, something I've been doing with all the guests that I've had. And um, the name of the segment is I call it burning desire. And what that what that means is burning desire is like a fire in the pit of your stomach to make something happen you know um dave ramsey calls it like gazelle intensity it's when you have your mind locked on something so hard that there's nothing stopping you from getting there that's um it's three in the morning and you smell smoke and you realize you got to get your child out of the house that's Mm -hmm. a burning desire Mm -hmm. you're you're, nothing's going to stop you from doing that so what i want you to do is take a moment to think about a, a time between when you start let's just talk about recent your AT&T career and I would I'd like a specific example if you could where you had that burning desire to grow to move when everything was stacked up against you and you did something to pull yourself out and make it happen I, I can see there's something in your mind already that yeah, you're thinking uh, of. it's not AT&T though um, oh there's a different example yeah okay yeah um, it was knocking doors, door to door home security sales. Um, I was, I left San Antonio in 2012, uh, January, 2012 took a leap of faith. At that point, I felt like I let go. I let God and I let him guide me wherever he wanted to. I didn't really have a, a set plan. So I got way out of my comfort zone. Um, I, I ended up in Dallas for about six months, and then that company sent me to Idaho to help uh, manage an office out there in Boise and surrounding areas. And then um, they merged that office with a Vancouver, Washington office. Um, and then I ended up in Eugene, Oregon, managing my own office or co-managing uh, with a good friend of mine, Mike Montero. You might remember him from Madison. Shout out to uh, Mike Montero. Mike Montero. So um, when I was in Vancouver, Washington, uh, I was always a, a very consistent and top sales rep um, when it came to selling home security door to door. But you constantly battle your own self every single day. You got to get out there. Like they throw you, like you get out of the car and you're knocking from. 10 or 11 in the morning all the way to 9 at night non-stop how long how long did you i'm not trying to interrupt you but i have a lot to say about this just in what you've already said how long did you door knock i I door knocked when i was 16 years old for a little bit and i was not old enough and mature enough to realize what i was doing but i got back into it um right out of college I didn't. I, I. It took me about three years to actually find a, a real job, out of college. It was rough. Um, it was like the worst time to graduate. I ended up working for San Antonio Marketing, and it was like I don't even. 
know if the company still exists, but it was a BS job. Um, I was selling like uh, coupon books mm-hmm. and tickets and things like that, uh, business to business in the summers, like a hundred and plus degree weather with suits, button down tie for, for and s- making like 7am to 7pm making, if I'm lucky, 70 to a hundred dollars a day. I don't even know what I was thinking. For those that don't know, door knocking is the, if you can get, don't not door knocking. If bro. you can get, no, 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 I'm not, no, not at all. In fact, I'm doing the opposite. If you can get good at door knocking or if you can get average at door knocking, average, yeah. you will be a rock star in any sales position for the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, door knocking, that's one of the reasons why I got into car sales is because my dad was in car sales. My dad was in appliance sales prior to that. And I saw what a man who has no college education was able to do in sales. And that, that, that resonated with me because I didn't, I didn't go to college and um, I wanted to make an extraordinary income and my dad was doing pretty well. And I always felt, they always say, if you can sell a car, you can sell anything. So I, that's what took me there. And I, I, I did really well with it. Um, that's how we met. Although we went to high school together, we didn't know each other in high no, school. No, you sold me um, my second you, vehicle. Your Tacoma. Because I totaled my first one. X, <laughs> X-Runner. The Toyota Tacoma X-Runner. Dude, I took that that vehicle. I mean, I took that to hell and back with me, dude. I took really? That's the one I took across country and back. Wow. It was a manual transmission. Manual transmission, six speed. I, st- I still, I miss that truck. <laughs> and that was paid off. And the only reason I had to get rid of it is because I had a baby. Wow. Which is a blessing. So but you, I'm just so saying, you I, just barely got rid of it three years ago? Yeah, because m- my wife, I had had my truck paid off and my wife had a Nissan Juke and we had a baby. So yeah. we needed a bigger vehicle. I didn't realize, but when we put the car seat in, we're like, oh my God. Yeah, and it we, was like a half cab. Yeah, so she, she had payments on her car, so we traded in her car, and uh, we ended up getting my dream truck, the, the Tundra. Love it. Yeah, and so we bought her car cash, and now I've got my truck paid off, and man, I'm glad. Like, yeah. no more car payments for the rest tr- of my life. You got your truck paid off? Yeah, two years. Holy moly! So and the yeah. intensity. No, I was kidding. Yeah, yeah. So for those that don't know, he's not driving like a scrub truck either. He's driving like. A souped up like Crew Max five seven Tundra. No, it's he, he's. I've added a couple things on it. No, it's it's it's, it's, it's pretty nice. stock. That's my dream truck. Also, like dude, some people taste. want Maseratis and Aston Martin. Man, I wanted I wanted the Tundra. Tundra. I got it, and then I'll keep it for as long as I can. I'm still waiting on mine. I I need so well, anyway. Well, I'm not gonna go off on that. But but, but back to what you're, what you're saying, saying. The gazelle yeah. intensity. Um, yeah. So you were door so knocking when I was. I just remember one specific day. Like you, de- you always are battling. I'm, I mean, I'm way out of my comfort zone. I'm, I'm in Washington, Vancouver, Washington, my hometown, San Antonio, Texas. And I have no friends, no family, and I was having one of the worst days of my life out there. And I remember getting out of the truck. I did not, and I it take it takes a lot for me to not want to work. I, I was I was a someone you could really rely on. You put me out there, I would work bell to bell, like not morning night you wouldn't have to worry about me taking breaks or whatever i just i was like clockwork so for the first time i was just dealing with so much emotionally and mentally that i did not want to go i did not want to work and so i literally as soon as i got dropped off i was i was crying 
And I know people are like, oh, you know, you're pussy for crying, whatever. Like, dude, I cried because I was carrying this emotion on me and I needed to, to release it in order to move forward. Yeah. And Eric Thomas tells you, don't cry to give up, cry to keep going. Oh my right? God. Yeah. Like, so, I agree uh, so much with that. I was at the point where I was wanting to quit and I'm like, you know what, dude, just go knock one door. Just go knock one door, dude. It'll make you feel better. I go knock a door. No one answers. Go knock another door. No one answers. I probably knocked a total of 10 to 20 doors that day, which isn't a lot on a, on a regular basis. I would knock 80 to 100. I knocked 10 to 20 doors that day. And I had the best sales day as a door knocker in my door knocking career, if you even want to call it that. But I ended up being number one in the whole entire company that day for my performance. I ended up selling five um, home securities and had them installed. Like, it's one thing to sell it, but it's another thing to have it installed that day. You were a badass if you had those. So I had five of them go, go in that day. And usually on a normal basis, on a good day, on a great day, people will do about three. Let's just put it that way. But if you're doing one or Knocking two, a hundred doors. Yeah, yeah. If you're doing one or two a day, that's pretty decent. Like you're doing a, you're doing a decent job. Threes, wow. But um, I mean, it just got to a point where I just went balls to the wall, gazelle intensity, like so focused, and I uh, I ended up selling five that day. And um, they put me in a magazine and they recognized me on the dashboard. And, you know, I remember them interviewing me for having the best day of the summer. Like they had a, they had a magazine, the company had a magazine That's and awesome. said they selected three reps. One was like the best week, the best summer overall and the best day. And I was always consistent. Like I wasn't, you know, all I knew is like if I could go home and look at myself in the mirror and knew that I did my absolute best no matter if I was the very best sales rep or not, I'm, I'm, I'm content and happy with that. Yeah. So I had a better day than anyone in the, co- in the company and they interviewed me and, you know, what's your advice to others that, you know, are knocking doors and want to be successful? And I said, you know what, you know, no matter what's going on um, and no matter what kind of day you're having or what's going on in your life, keep moving forward. No matter what is going on, find the strength keep moving forward so my thing was every time I felt like I was going to give up man just knock one more door just knock one more door and then when you're done with that door hey just knock one more door just knock one more door and little by little you never know what that next door would would be you know and I I even went I I mean I got to a point where I was so good where I'd only work like two hours and I'd be done for the day like at, at that point I would not I would get about two a day one or two a day and I'd only work like two or three hours. But there'd be days that you'd have some rough days where you'd work eight or nine hours and you wouldn't get a deal at all. Or it would be that very last door you knocked on that was the deal. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and, and, and it made that whole day worth it, you know? Dude, I, I can relate to that, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, selling cars isn't entirely un, unlike that. Um, it's, it's, it's actually very similar, except... It's a little bit easier, obviously, because customers are coming to you and they're actually have an interest in purchasing something, which is why they're there. Um, door knocking is much more difficult. Um, so I, I major props on that. But in the same regard, 
you don't know who, who you're talking to and where they're at in their buying yeah, process from, from a tire kicker to someone who's been to five places and they're just tired of I being I think a lot of people around. are just afraid of like no or rejection. It's exactly what it and is. And you don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to say until they tell me, right? So you don't. <laughs> I, I wrote about that in, in, in my book, which hasn't been published yet. But I need to read that. I'm going to give you one, yeah. Um, Sign it, please. It's uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's, I always tell people, uh, it, I have people that I mentor in like the studio world too, just because they, they've looked at what I've done and, and want to model it. And I tell them like, they're like, well, how do I know who I shouldn't, shouldn't reach out to? And I was like, you need to just reach out to anyone and everyone. Yeah. And they're like, well, they already record with somebody. I'm like, that's not your business. Like you, you need you to let them. don't know what they're going through. You need to let them, you need to give them the opportunity to tell you no. That's mm-hmm. what that's my that's my yeah, best advice to them is, is you need to let them give you the opportunity because if if you're not giving them the opportunity to tell you no then you then you're not you don't know who you're swinging at you know what I mean exactly and most most of the time the ones you're scared to hit up are the ones that need you the most mm-hmm. and um, so anyways um, that's that's fantastic um, I'm I'm so excited for everything that you've you've given I I can't wait to um, share this with everyone else because it's so valuable the um, one of the things I want to do just um, kind of to wind down a little bit is um, I want you to give some advice um, for somebody who, and I asked Jake um, on our last podcast, um, something similar um, and Mitch on our first podcast, something similar is for somebody who wants to do what you've done, um, whether it be at at and um, I'm sure some of your colleagues might listen to this or um, if it's some in a different company. Obviously, you've had success in two companies. It's not something that you're unfamiliar with. If you had to leave at and you'd have success wherever you go um, because of who you are. What advice do you have for somebody who is starting out to do what you've done? Um, it's something I probably would. I mean, just to kind of touch back on what I said, I mean, just no matter what you're going through, um, I mean, the best, I know it's as simple as keep moving forward, but that's really the best advice I can give someone because let's just put it this way. Um, uh, A lot of close people that know me know my, knew my situation with my father. Um, I went through one of the roughest years of my no I'm sorry the roughest year of my life in 2010 to where I um let's just say I got fired from from be, from beginning of the year to the end of the year I got fired from a job um I got jumped and arrested and almost went to jail well I did go to jail but almost had a felony on my record for something that was crazy I mean don't want to get into it but um, I, my dad, um, was in a motorcycle, a major motorcycle accident where it, you know, broke his back in two places, um, ripped off his leg, um, where he literally anyone else that I know would have been bled to death and died, but he had the strength. Um, he was strong enough and wise enough to find the main artery to his leg that was ripped off and hold on for 45 minutes before anyone even noticed he was there on the ground you know um having to help him 
rehabilitate and get back on track with his life from that. And I mean, that not only did it change his life, but it changed all the close people around him. Um, I got fired from another job. And this is after I graduated from college. Um, so I'm thinking graduate from college and life's all peachy, right? Right. No, man. Um, I got sued. I got, uh, you know, I dealt with multiple breakups, at which at the time I thought was a big deal. But looking back, it's like, what was I thinking? But, <laughs> you know, heartbreaks with, with girls. Been and there. <laughs> you know, my, my uh, I think I had a grandparent die that year. And then my uncle was diagnosed with cancer. And then, I mean, I, I probably just scratched the surface of what actually happened that year to me. And I got to the point where I was so numb that it scared me like I was you know I was never I never would turn my back on God but I was like God like I mean if I was a friend of mine and I was looking in on Marco's life I would be like man you know Marco seems like a good guy but it seems like a lot of bad stuff just happens to him you know I had a friend Anthony Williams he called me uh good luck magoo or bad luck magoo or whatever and i'm like dude like, wasn't he our valedictorian or our class president or something uh that's anthony that's another anthony d williams i believe uh, this oh it's was, still the same name this was anthony k williams oh okay <laughs> so, <laughs> different different guy yeah uh, great guy um but you know outside of looking in it's just like i went through a lot of stuff i i, I personally felt like a lot of people i don't know if they would have been able to handle it you know, and I don't know how they would have been able to move forward. And, you know, I was in debt up to my eyes. And so that year, I'm just like, I felt like, uh, you know, I asked God, like, what's next? You know, what's next? Bring it. Because it was just, it just felt like everything was just falling apart. And so at that point in time, if, if, if I, when I was there, I would have never imagined my life to be what it is now. You know, like I have a beautiful wife. I have a beautiful daughter. I make uh, a significant amount of money and and I live, you know, within or below my means. But, um, you know, we're working to be debt free. And, you know, I, I have uh, amazing friends and family. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, I've been blessed to have the career that I have. And, you know, this... You know, a lot of people dream of having like, you know, cars and jewelry and clothes and a fancy lifestyle and mansions and millions of dollars. And as silly as this may sound, I'm living my dream. You know, like I'm living my all I wanted was a beautiful family and a and a nice home and and a, and a career I could advance in and grow in and I'm living my dream. And so I guess to answer your question, you don't know what's what God has in store for you in the future. And no matter what is going on in your life, just you got to keep moving forward in order to see that. You know, like you don't, it's like some of the things that happen to you, all the good things and especially the bad things, at the time you're like, why me, why me, why me? But when something opens up for you and blesses you, and then things start to kind of unfold for you. You may or may not ever experience this, but it's kind of like, oh yeah, man, that's why that happened five years ago because yeah. this opened up for me. Steve Jobs said, um, "It's easy to connect the dots looking backwards." <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that, that's really good. Uh, it's it's um, 
yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. So keep moving forward, man. You just don't know what ha- God has in store for you. And um, I've been very blessed, and I try to stay as humble as possible because you never know when it, it could be gone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just try to help as many people along the way um, that I can, too, you know. And, well, you're going to help a lot of people. I mean, this, this, I, I this, I'm not trying to blow smoke, but this is the coolest episode that we've had thus far. Oh, like, come I, on, man. No, seriously, no, I love it. I mean, that no, guy before me was no, pretty cool. No disrespect to Jake or Rick or Mitch, whom are all bestest of, of friends of mine, but Marco, it's up the bar on all of you. Uh, this is awesome. But um, I guess I have a question for you in closing because I think it's important to note because um, I think my mind thinks about this uh, or in, in these kinds of ways. Um, you said that you're living your dream and that's absolutely incredible um i don't know a lot of people that can say that so with that being said how do you find the motivation to continue doing what you're doing and and if you have everything that you want how what i guess that's the wrong quote the second part of that i think i know where you're going What, what what else is there for you at this point you know, um, I think that's that has been something I have been dealing with for the past few months because I've felt myself slowly getting more comfortable and comfortable lately. And it bothers me. Mm-hmm. It should. <laughs> because, yeah, I made it to my yeah. standards. I made it to my goals, and I've achieved. I worked so hard to this point. I've achieved everything that I've, for now, wanted in my life. So now it's to the point where... I guess my goal is to to get better in my current role and be the best I can be in my current role with uh, my company. But I need to sit down in January um, coming up in a couple weeks, and I need to put up some new goals. Um, Written goals. And and I need to dream bigger right at this point because if I don't, I'm going to get comfortable, and Lord knows, I mean, all this could be gone. You know, and I don't... I think it's. I think it's. I mean, it's definitely better to be hungry than to be content. And I'm, I almost got to a point where I was almost getting into a little bit of a depression because I'm like, I have everything I need. Now I'm like comfortable. Yeah. Now what's next? And you know. So, I think. But I should be enjoying this, you know. And, and I do. Don't get me wrong. But there was a point yeah. where I was like, oh, man, I'm feeling a little depressed. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a perspective guy, and I, I always like to offer perspective. And so, um, don't take this in a patronizing way but i think it's selfish if you don't yeah because of what you have to offer to the world and what you have to offer to your um your colleagues and your family i think that a man of your um, stature and your ability not trying to do everything in your power to make everyone's life better you're doing them a disservice because of what you're capable of it's very true so um use your powers Use it, and I, and I don't mean to sound like a Jedi, but you sound like Yoda or something. Yeah. <laughs> your powers, you must use. Yeah, um, that was pretty good. I've done better. I'm going to get some flack for that one, but um, yeah, man. Well, I gotta say, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for um, having me. And yeah, this is awesome what you've been doing, man. I'm very proud of you, and I know you're going to do big things with this. I'm very yeah, excited thank, for you. Thank you, thank you. We're just we're just getting our our um, you know transparency right we're we're just getting our um our uh momentum back 
you know, I like you, I was very content. Um, I stay home, you know, with my son um, during the day. My wife has a full-time job and I run my businesses when she gets home and, and, and intermittently um, throughout the day, taking phone calls and projects and things like that. And um, like you mentioned, um, for a little while there, I guess the last 16 months, um, you know, or even I guess since my son was born the last three years, I've just kind of been coasting, doing what I'm doing. And a, a child, I mean, a child I'm, changes I'm, your world, man. I'm, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not going to say that I haven't enjoyed having all these moments because I have. But at some point, you have to realize that in order for, and I'm not preaching to anyone, but I'm just speaking from my own personal um, opinion that if you don't, if you don't keep striving for more, eventually you're going to have to start sacrificing some of those moments because, you know, he's going to want to play basketball or he's going to want to play yeah. football. And, you know, daddy's got to have the pocketbook to support that stuff. And, you know, I got to keep it's chasing. It's crazy that you say that because um, I can't remember if it was like Jim Rohn or whoever. It was a motivational speaker. But he it was, or maybe it was a book I read, um, but I remember something about uh, President FDR um, Roosevelt and um how they when they found him like he was known for continually growing himself and as you know he's pro i mean hands down in my opinion i think he was probably the best president ever he's the one that they um no i'm gonna embarrass myself if i get this wrong but <laughs> he's the only one to go three terms right four he didn't finish his fourth i think he died in his fourth term <laughs> but and after that they said hey no more two i think yeah yeah <laughs> two terms max but um, President Goat. He, they, they really praised him for him never like being the prime example of of, of never. Um, how do you say? He never stopped growing. Even to, they uh, to his deathbed, they found him reading a, a, a gro like a personal growth book. Wow. You know, like anyone else, they're like, "You're done, bro! Like you're done growing. to his deathbed." Wow. You know, so Dude, I try to keep that in mind. Yeah, um, dude. I mean, there's 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 seeds there. Even even with that, man, you're you're just dropping them all over. Um, yeah, where's the mic? I can drop. Yeah, it <laughs> we'll we'll pretend this is it. There it is. Yeah, um, no, uh, Steve Jobs. I love. He's one of my favorites. I think he's. Um, it, it's it's. I think I can comfortably say he's underrated in the in the world of revolutionaries you know i think we're not we're not going to know how special he was until 30 40 years down the road um a lot of people would argue that um but i think he's underrated but one of the things that he said at one of his most famous um um speeches um was that and I, i'm not going to butcher what he was saying but i'm going to paraphrase is that if you if you live every day like it's your last, you know, basically is to live every day yeah. as if you are facing death, you know, like what would you do? You know, is there really value in what you're doing? And, and I think that FDR probably lived that way. And yeah, he sure did. According to what the information that you just gave me, that's what it sounds like. But anyways, um, dude, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate um, you me, man. If, if this podcast could run like four hours, we'd just keep talking. But um, we try to keep them under an hour and 20, and that's about where we're at. So um, thank you so much uh, for everything. This has been truly awesome, and uh, you're going to change some people's lives. Thanks. Appreciate it. Oh, man, take care.